This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Big business in the special teams battle, big time, letting up the shorthanded goal and then letting two goals in um, shorthanded for us. Uh, not good enough. thought we had a really good control of the game in the first period. Even in the third, I thought we played well. Just the second period killed us, and that was the decision maker in this one. Myself included, seeing you get in front of that more, and we need second opportunities, and you know we need some depth scoring right now. We can't always rely on our top lines to score. So 505, we need a our line. Obviously, need to find a way to pop in that here and get some confidence. It's tough to come back in this league. I don't. Doesn't matter. You, you can much easier to play with the lead than without it and again it comes down to we're just giving up one too many goals and I've said this now you know it just keeps that number three is uh, it's a goal too many and you're not going to win them all you're not going to score four every night tonight special teams was clearly not in our favor and you know we get two but when you give up more than that the game's in the balance and what didn't go our way tonight oh boy it didn't you know, it was one of those games where I, I felt like even with the lightning down a couple heading into the third that they were going to regroup and figure out how to get a point out of that game last night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at least early on in that third period, lightning put some pressure on the Oilers to maybe defend a certain way and to protect the lead. And the lightning just never were able to finish it off for a variety of reasons which we will get into here on the show today it is power lunch on lightning radio greg Linelli with you along with the radio voice of the lightning dave mishkin steve ersnick is our producer hit us up on twitter please at bolts radio i know i got a lot of tweets partner after the game in terms of the lightning and their special teams play and it's fair criticism it's it's fair up to this point there has been some good there's probably been more bad when it comes to shorthanded tallies, and I think it's something that, for a team like this, is inexcusable that it keeps happening or at least at least pops up more times than not. And I think the team understands that. I'm not saying mm-hmm. anything they don't know. But you know what? Against a team like Ottawa, or excuse me, uh, the Oilers, who have dangerous players, as we saw last night, those type of mistakes, they make you pay. And I don't want to say it was a special teams battle last night, but you could make a case it was. And certainly, Dave, the Oilers came out on the right end of the, the special teams battle last night. Well, it's interesting you misspoke and said Ottawa because last night's game <clears throat> for the Lightning and the Power Play was reminiscent of their game yeah. against Ottawa when they went, I mean, they did score a power play goal in that game, but they went one for eight and gave up a five on three shorthanded goal. And there was a lot of frustration while the Lightning were on the power play in both the Ottawa game and last night's game. Mm-hmm. So as you know, Greg, I'm, I'm very careful not to paint with a broad stroke with my paintbrush. And I do want to point out that in the three games in which the Lightning allowed a shorthanded goal during this homestand, I felt their power play was pretty good in the game against Carolina. So they were they were not good, frankly, against Ottawa or last night on the power play. And it cost them in the game last night. I mean, they ended up beating Ottawa, but it certainly hurt them last night. Special teams overall hurt them. Their penalty kill hurt them, too. But their power play percentage is is actually okay. 
And the reason that it's okay is they have scored some power play goals, and some of them have been big power play goals. Remember Brandon Hagel's power play goal in Anaheim? Yeah. Won them the game. So I'm not willing to just, you know, step out on the plank and say (laughs) with the power play and say get better or jump, right? Like the power play has been horrendous all year. That is a gross overstatement. So let's try and come at this with with a, a scalpel instead of a chainsaw, okay? There have been some games in which the power play has done better than others. There have been some games in which the power play has really helped them. There have been some games when the power play has really hurt them. And last night was one of those games. They did very little on the power play. They went 0 for 5. I'm looking at the final stats here. So the Oilers had one fewer power play. They had four and actually had one more shot on the power play. Lightning had six shots total in five power play opportunities. And many of those were fairly routine saves for Jack Campbell. I mean, maybe the best one was, I think this was on the power play, Point came streaking down the wing off the rush. Had a pretty good shot, but it was from the side. The rebound came right in front, and the Lightning didn't have anybody in front, and Phil grumbled about that. I remember on the air, and it came to an Edmonton player who was able to clear it. They had a shot off a face-off from Stamkos, too. That was in the second period. It was a good shot from Stamkos, but he's from long range, and he's in the middle of the ice, and Campbell's set. So I'm not sure that we would look at those six shots and say any of them were really great scoring chances. On the Edmonton side, however, with one fewer power play, they definitely generated a number of dangerous looks and scored two goals and had a third goal taken away because of the kick for Zach Hyman, which we can we don't have to get into that today. But that is that is a mystery to me, which I've said on the air. They seem to have changed the standard of what constitutes a distinct kicking motion. We can talk about that for another day. The Lightning had one of those taken away in the Carolina game when Nemestikov had a goal taken away. And the Hyman kick, I'm using parentheticals here, fake quotes, like Hyman's kick was was not much of a kick, but it was more of a kick than Nemestikov's kick. So I'm thinking to myself, if Toronto took away Nemestikov's goal for a kick, the Hyman goal should come off the board, and it did. But the fans are upset because they just witnessed the Lightning blow a game in which they had numerous power play chances to win it outright and surrendered a shorthanded goal that you could say was the difference in the game because they lost by one, and their penalty kill couldn't come up with a big stop. What was the difference between the Edmonton penalty kill and the Lightning penalty kill? In, in very broad terms, when the Edmonton players had a chance to get the puck down the ice, they did. And when the Lightning had a chance to get down the puck down the ice, several times they did not. And in one of those instances, the Oilers scored because McDavid's goal came after the Lightning failed to get the puck down the ice. Those are killers. When you have the puck on your stick and you're killing a penalty and you don't get it 200 feet, you're inviting problems. And that was certainly an issue last night. Are we going to say that this is systemic now? Three power play goals, or I'm sorry, three shorthanded goals over the last four games? I asked Phil about it. He feels that they're closing off. The penalty killers are closing off the, the lightning when they try and rush it up the ice. And there may be something to that. That certainly was a was a factor in the shorthanded goals they allowed to Carolina and to Edmonton. But you remember the Ottawa 
five on three shorthanded goal was a turnover. It was just a miscue in the offensive zone. They had it in the offensive zone. And that was a kind of a forced pass that went off Matthew Joseph's skate and he he was able to track it down and, and come in on a breakaway. So this is a problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem. The Lightning have to fix the problem. If the majority of the issue, both in terms of allowing shorthanded goals and just not getting enough juice going on the power play relates to bringing the puck up the ice cleanly, then they need to either execute better or find a different system, essentially, of moving it up the ice. Because it's it's killing them. When they're having bad power play games, they're, they're squandering time on the power play and not putting the other team in an uncomfortable position, Greg, because they're killing the penalty themselves trying to get it up the ice and failing to establish possession in the offensive zone. That was a big problem last night. It was a big problem in the Ottawa game, and it has surfaced at points this year. Well, the one last night was just a turnover in their own zone with with Hedman and was a cooch. I mean, yeah, like they kind can... of it, it was a, it was disrupted in their zone. It was kind of weird, but it came out to center ice, and then McLeod wired it right back. Yeah, in but like that was scored. one of those that was one of those parts where I thought they had at least the setup control of the situation. And it was just a bad. It was just a bad pass by yeah. by Hedman. Like typically, you're right. The other ones might have been a little bit more nuanced. I just felt like that was an unforced error by the Lightning. I really did. Like yeah. I, I, you know, Hedman typically will make that play. He will yeah, make the right maybe, read. Maybe they were sloppy. Like sloppiness is part of it. The turnovers when they have the puck in the offensive zone and they turn it over. Many times it is yeah. because they're either forcing a play or they're a little sloppy with it. I didn't Again, feel like that was the case last night with that shorthanded goal. Be that as not it may. Not that shorthanded goal. Yeah, be that as it may. Yeah. I mean, look, it was still a shorthanded goal. You have to cut that down. Mm-hmm. You know? So I agree, for sure. And then on the Edmonton side, you know, John Cooper said yesterday morning, you got to stay out of the box against this team. And the Lightning, you know, they didn't take a penalty in the first period, but they took two quick ones at the start of the second, and a 1-1 game became 3-1. And we know who scored the goals. Yep, McDavid and Drysidle. They will kill you if you give them extra time and space, which is what they get when they have a power play. And it's not just the Lightning. I mean, <laughs> these guys have been doing it for years now to every opponent. They have. I, I mean, mean, that's why they lead the league in scoring or are close to the lead league in scoring every year and why their power play is usually in the top five it came yep. in number two in the league last year mm-hmm. or last night i should say yeah you're right about that and the thing about last night though look the shorthanded thing it, at least right now it, in some ways it's it's somewhat inexcusable again because i talk about the experience this team has i mean they have some elite players on these power play units and whether it's just lack of concentration, lack of execution, give credit to the other team. I think we always have to remind ourselves there. And maybe just an unusual rate of shorthanded chances being mm-hmm. scored. I think that's also part of this as well. Yeah, and you're right. And, let, and, and the other it. teams have had other shorthanded looks. Yes. In addition to the ones that have gone in. By the way, I just noted on on Twitter... Both Chris Cran and Gabby Shirley have this. They've mixed up the power play units where they're starting practice working in the power play. Sergachev on the top unit yeah. with Hagel 
They got Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point, while Nemestikov and Hedman moved to the second unit with Colton, Kalorn, and Perry. Yeah. So if that's the case, Sergeyev is going to take Hedman's spot. Hagel is going to take Nemestikov's spot. So Hagel on that second unit had been playing basically on a strong side of the circle. Now look for him to kind of be the guy in the corner. So I'm and, looking at this, and my first question would be, where's Nick Paul? Well, you know, Nick Paul started the year in the power play, but I think that they really like having him shorthanded. And and other than Kalorn, and Stamkos plays a, a bit of penalty kill, like ideally Stamkos wins the faceoff on the penalty kill and then goes off when they get it down yeah. the ice. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he gets stuck out there. Sure. But, I mean, the other guys here, Hagel and Nemestikov, are usually, like, later in the rotation on PK. Sure. Paul is relied on, along with Kalorn. Kalorn does both, but he's been doing both most of his career. I, I think that that might have something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, but, you could be but, right. Like, it's a fair yeah, point. Right. Like, yeah, Nick I mean, Paul I'd, I'd have can Nick Paul score on the power play. <laughs> Look, based but on what I'm saying is, get him out there. Yeah, what I'm saying is I'm looking at the unit. So Hagel is going to be moving to the top unit to play with his five-on-five line mates, Point and Kucherov, but he's going to be in a different spot, assuming that Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos are where they usually are, which I think they will be. Hagel will be in a different spot on this power play unit than he was on the other unit. You know what? Maybe they looked at that Hedman turnover, and they're like, you know what, Sergey, Get in that top unit. He scored in the game against Ottawa, remember? I do. Now, Hedman wasn't playing in that game, and the power play had a horrible night. So would you have Hagel along the goal line, basically? Hagel will be? take, uh, my guess is Hagel will take Nemenstikov's spot. Okay. I'm not at practice, so I'm just speculating based on what I'm seeing here. I actually don't mind that. I mean, the other thing, too, is Hagel's a guy that can go and retrieve pucks. Yeah, and then for the other unit, I'm guessing you're going to see Nemenstikov Taking so basically, Hagel and Nemestikov are switching, switching power play units, but they're also switching locations. Yeah. So Vladdy will probably go where Hagel has been, and Hedman will he'll be the the guy at the top of the umbrella right. where Sergachev was for the second unit. But you know, maybe this is a little bit of Sergachev has shown that he has more success bringing the puck up the ice. It's not just him. Usually, it's actually Kucherov so what do you make or of that? Point actually bringing it in but it usually starts with the defenseman who has the puck first so what do you make of that though because i mean however you look at that headman's on the second power play unit correct headman is on I mean, the second power let's play be unit very clear now. that's that's what that means so maybe it's a wake up for victor maybe you know he's coming back from his injury and it's something to do with that maybe they want to like this is more about the power play than than i think headman's minutes but if you know if he's playing on the second unit his minute total will go down a little bit well it is going to go down and he's a prideful he's a prideful guy so let's i mean let's be very clear about the mechanics of the the human element here is this more of a product and dave i understand i'm asking this question we can't get inside the coach's head this is you and i and and our audience out there discussing this do you think this has more to do with sergachev's good play maybe on the power play getting that shot through something you and i have discussed that maybe that's happening a bit better or is this more about Victor Hedman having moments where he hasn't been as sharp? I understand it could be both. I'm curious which one, though, is, a, is more accurate at this point. I have a hard time thinking John Cooper is going to send that hard of a message to Victor Hedman, although if you're going to do it early in the season would be mm-hmm. when to do it. But is this one of those things where he said, listen, 
Sergachev's played well. I can't demote Hedman without having a legitimate option. And the legitimate option has to be playing well. I think this might be more about Sergachev playing better than Hedman slumping. Although I acknowledge that that could be part of it as well. But here's the thing. Sergachev played, how many minutes did he play in that Ottawa game? I don't know. Well, he played a lot. I, I guess yeah. I can look it up. But, you know, he was the guy doing the bulk of the work on that first power play unit. In fact, he was the guy doing the bulk of the work because he had foot on the second unit because they had so many power plays in that game. Sergachev played a lot, and the power play wasn't very good in that game. So it's not like we have this, like, bright contrast between the first power play unit with, with Hedman and the first power play unit with Sergachev. If I were to harbor a guess, I think that the coaching staff is like three shorthanded goals in four games enough, and Hedman had the miscue. I'd have to watch that goal again. When I saw it at first, I wasn't sure that it was as unforced as you felt it was, but maybe you're right. But the coaches, I think, looked at that goal and said, we need to, we need to make a change. That's my guess. And look, a change can be made, and a change can be made a second time, right? Like, you could sure. go back to wh how you had it originally, but at least as, you know, we, we look ahead to, to Friday's game in Washington, that's where we are. Now, the other switch, the Hagel for Nensikov, Vladdy is in a slump. Vladdy can't buy a goal, literally. Like, the puck went in off his skate. It was taken away. He's had some chances in front. Can't finish. I think he had a couple of assists when he went out of that first power play unit initially in the game against Philly. Remember he had a nice pass, or at least one power play assist. He had a nice pass to Stamkos on one of the goals the Lightning scored against the Flyers in the home opener. But, you know, Hagel's hot. Hagel's playing well. Hagel's got chemistry with Point and Kucherov. Now that's five on five. It's a little different when you're kind of set up in the offensive zone of the power play. But I think that that one is more of a reward for Hagel based on how he is playing and also looking to jumpstart that first power play unit. I love Hagel moving up. Because they could have put Kalorn there. Kalorn yeah. had been there. But I, I mean, it, and, and this is also part of what we just explained with, I think, Hedy and Sergachev, that decision. I think this is because Hagel is playing really well, and I think he has an opportunity to play with his line mates. A little bit more so it makes a lot of sense yeah just to throw him back out there i mean he's he's as hot as anybody right now and that first line is arguably the best first line uh, maybe in the game right now but you know clearly they're in this conversation because of the way hegel is playing I, i'm just i'm a little I, I look i i guess in many ways for those who are waiting for sorgachev to maybe be uh, continue to be an ascending player you would look at this and say okay well, you know what that's a legitimate option as your first power play guy is mikhail sorgachev there's nothing wrong with having Sergachev and Hedman uh, on separate power play units. We're just used to seeing Hedman be the number one guy. But look, I, I think I think a lot of it is Sergachev and, and how well he's played. Mm -hmm. I think some of it is Hedman's just maybe not reading the reads as good as he has back there. Well, look, we're going to see if it looks better against Washington. If not for that shorthanded goal that Brady Shea scored against Carolina, the power play had a good game against Carolina. Yep. And they didn't have as many opportunities as they had in the Ottawa game. I think they sure. had five, same as last night. 
But, you know, they popped in a couple of goals. They actually scored a third goal that was taken away when when Nemetsikov had that kicking in goal taken away. So, look, special teams can can be streaky. We we talked about that with Edmonton. That's the other part of it, too. Like, what do we make of the fact that Edmonton's penalty kill has been beyond bad this year? And the Lightning really struggled to generate much of anything against them. Or do we say that Edmonton's penalty kill was ready to be better? Like, they have pride, too. And they just came off a game where they gave up four power play goals and cost themselves a point, if not two. So from that standpoint, maybe Edmonton's saying, let's get it together, guys, right? We need to be better than this on the penalty kill. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is, how did the Lightning go 0 for 5 with six shots and basically no scoring chances against a team that came in under 70% on the penalty kill? I'll leave that to the audience to yeah. decide how they want to look at it. But like to me, I can kind of see that the Oilers basically were 13 games in. We've had only two games where we haven't allowed at least one power play goal. It ends tonight. Like I kind of look at it that way, where they came in with a little burr on their saddle on the PK, and it showed. They were very good on the penalty kill. And they didn't mess around. Like when they got the puck, it was down the ice. You're right about that. It was an interesting game last night from a lot of different perspectives. We just hit on the special teams, and you just gave some of the changes potentially that we're going to see here starting Friday in Washington. Can I, I just to, say one other yeah, thing? Please do, I saw the please lines. Do. No change please to the do. lines, the forward lines. The forward lines look exactly the same. What was the back and, end? And the D pair foot is, is paired back with Cole. There. I didn't yeah. think Myers did anything to separate himself. Last night, Dave, from the pack, you know, and I think this is maybe a rotation. All right, now Foot's going to get an opportunity. As I told you before, I I think Flurry, if you're asking me right now, before Bogosian gets back, between Foot, Flurry, and Myers, which one has elevated their game? Would you agree with me? It's fair to say Flurry has? Yeah, I think so. At this point. But they don't want anyone to sit for too long. And I get that. And I get that. And you and I went into maybe some details as to why that's the case, especially with foot being back in the lineup. I mean, I think it's twofold. And um, I think you can you can figure out where I'm going with some of that. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you you can. All right, so what, did, what do you guys make of potential changes there to the power play units? I, I just want to go back to one more thing about the shorthanded goals because the Lightning aren't doing the things correctly to prevent that from happening. But I do think there is an inordinate amount of bad puck luck going against them when it comes to these shorthanded goals. And I think it, it's kind of like when you start the season out 1-5, and 1-6, and six, and you lose 3 of 4 to start. It hits home a little bit more because it's fresh and it's just the beginning of the season. I think with shorthanded goals like this, they're coming in bunches, and I think it's it's sticking out. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's not realistic to think that the percentage that teams are converting on their shorthand chances are going to continue that way. <laughs> if well, you understand what not. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I, I think what I'm saying is, I think the other team is has been extremely lucky. They've created their luck, but I, I just think it's it's a it's a unique situation that I'm not sure we're going to see this type of percentage resulting in goals consistently 
throughout the league. Well, it's just not going to happen. It's just what, not going to happen. What Brian Engblom mentioned on the last call last night, I mean, of course it's a copycat league and everyone has video of everybody else. So Brian feels that the way penalty kill teams are pressuring the lightning as they try and move it up the ice is being copied, basically. And it's working to the extent that in some of these games it's created problems. Now, they haven't always led to shorthanded goals or shorthanded chances, but the Lightning are getting plays disrupted. The Lightning are spending not enough. For the number of power play chances the Lightning have received this year, and they are among the league leaders in power play opportunities, I don't think they've spent as much time with the puck in the offensive zone as they could have. Some of that is face-offs. Now, they did okay on power play face-offs last night. They went 5-3, and three, which is better than how they fared in a lot of other games. But they still spent a lot of time out of the offensive zone on their five power plays last night. One of them, one of them was shortened when Stamkos, again, they lost the puck, went down the ice. It actually didn't go down the ice. It was, it was carried down the ice. I think it was McDavid and Hyman out shorthanded. And the puck came by in the lightning net, and Hyman was in on Stamkos, and he had to hurry it away, and it went out of play for a delay of game. So that one power play was was short-circuited. But the lightning are not spending enough time for the power play opportunities they have, they have received. They're not spending as much time in the offensive zone as probably they could or they should. That's where you're going to make the other team uncomfortable. And maybe having more of a shooting mentality. No doubt. I, I think it all makes a lot of sense. And we'll kind of see how this plays out. I'm sure a lot of our audience has some things to say. I know they were <laughs> reaching out to me during the game, after the game. Yeah. Uh, here's Al. Was Einstein right about insanity? Letting power play and PK may be proving his statement true. Well, look, they switched up the power play units today. If that's what he's talking about, like the personnel. It was a frustrating loss, not just because of the special teams, and the special teams proved to be the difference in the game. But the Lightning had a terrible second period, and they gave up the two power play goals early. They never really recovered after that. They had a good first period. They had a good third period, but... You know, getting outscored three nothing on special teams—that's hard to overcome. I think what is what is equally kind of irritating about the game last night, from the Lightning's perspective, this was a major circumstantial advantage for them as far as the schedule, and they failed to cash in. They were taking on a team that had played the night before and traveled, didn't get in until three a.m., chose to go with eleven forwards, and then lost to Vander Kane. And thank goodness it sounds like Kane is going to be okay. But basically, the Oilers, after the Kane injury, had to play essentially the final two periods with 10 forwards on the second half of a back-to-back. And the Lightning lost the game in regulation. Yep. That's a game where you you left some points out on the table. You did. And I, I can't really fault Vassy for the goals. I mean, the one was the one that McDavid scored was just the seeing eye puck that deflected yeah. and it came Very right bad to McDavid. Luck. There's not much in Dreisaitl, That was a that's an elite shot. Yeah, backhands <laughs> are tricky for goals. It is. It is. I mean, you can you, can you make the case that Belmar should have been a little stronger on the puck? Fine. That's that. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I can hear it. I, I'm not going to necessarily. They lost say the puck battle though. I mean, they, they gave they on did. the play by play. They gave the Oilers a face off win. I disagree with that. I think that it was. Probably, you didn't think they were hot on the puck? 
That's right, fair. Let me see who took the face off. Who was out there for the lightning on that one? I think it was Stamkos. So Stamkos is taking the face off. He wins the face off to the extent the puck goes into the corner. Yeah. And then you had like five guys in the corner battling for the puck, and somehow it squirted out right toward the front of the net. Yeah. And that's when McDavid kind of nudged it. Uh, yeah, maybe you can say Belmar needed to do more there, but McDavid alertly kind of pushes sure. it to his teammate, yeah, yeah. and Drysaddle's just hanging out in front by himself. But again, if you win the faceoff to start the penalty kill, I mean, maybe it's not automatic, but it should be close to automatic if the puck gets down the ice. The Oilers jumped on it quickly. I think it was Chernak was the right defenseman. Yeah. It was. It was Chernak. So it was Chernak, Sergachev, Stamkos, and Belmar were the penalty killers. And before Chernak had a chance to, to get to the puck and get it down the ice, there was an Oiler player on him. But, all right, so you don't get it down the ice. Somehow, like, prevent the puck from getting to the middle of the ice, which is where it ended up. Fair point. So there were some it – it was a terrific finish by Dreisaitl, but the Lightning kind of squandered an opportunity there after winning the faceoff to alleviate pressure. Well, Al, to that point, said when – or what's it going to take? And maybe the, the question has been answered with – some of the changes maybe we've seen with the power play units today at practice. What's it going to take to get Lightning to change their approach to special teams? The power play is predictable, and the PK is slow and passive. Is it coaching, system, or players? Well, you know what? Before I answer that, I'm going to actually take a look at where they rank. So before we condemn the power play and the penalty kill, let's look at their league rank. While you're looking that up, Basil also said, can they decline the next penalty? They're better <laughs> yeah. five on five. Well, in some of these games, that is true. I'm not sure that was true in the Carolina game. All right. The Lightning, after they're 0 for 5, have dropped to 16th in the league. 22.2%. They are over 20% of the power play. Which is... Basically, and they where are in you the middle be, of right? the pack. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe the percentages are going up a little bit. The number one team is Colorado, thirty-eight point two percent, and that that'll probably come down a little bit. But was it Al who had the question? Like, it's not like the Lightning are. I'm going to pick a team here. The Panthers. The Panthers' power play percentage is thirteen percent. Thirteen. They are 30th in the league. Penalty kill, Lightning were over 80% before last night's game. They are 16th on penalty kill, actually tied for 15th. So they are a middle-of-the-pack special teams club for both power play and penalty kill right now, which is to say they they want to be higher than that, and they have been higher than that earlier this year. What's the expression you use, Greg? Prisoner of the moment? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not quite the prisoner of the moment because I think the fans are right that we've seen some troubling aspects at points already this year it's not like it just happened last night it's happened a few times this year and it's happened as it relates to them not doing well on the special teams forget about the shorthanded goals for a second just their percentage on power play and penalty kill like they've taken a little hit here I think recently depending on the game depending on the opponent but overall, they're middle of the pack. I mean, I, I fully anticipate that to change. 
I would I'm, expect I'm, it to listen. go up too. But you know what I'm saying? Like I it's do. not like they're they're 31st out of 32 yeah. teams, or you're like, oh my gosh, let's get a tourniquet here. You know what this is for me when I look at this? There there are uh, some disturbing decisions that are being made on the ice by the Lightning players, and I think it's a it's a mixture of bad decisions. The other team is capitalizing. Honestly, I I think this is just how much of this too is just an unusual rate of returns from the other team. <laughs> You know, capitalizing on these mistakes too. I, I, I know they they haven't been their best. I feel like more times than not, and I know that hasn't been the case, but it feels like it. That when the Lightning do something wrong in a game, it's coming back to haunt them. An unusual amount of time. And I'm I, not sure I'm going to go there with you, Greg. And that's because fine because I think I think Vasilevsky and Elliott have have erased some of those chances. They have. So it's not like every time they it's have. gone into their net. Now they made mistakes, but if the goalie stops it, then it doesn't come back to haunt you. I think it is true that they have made some. Forgetting the Carolina game for a minute, that was a game the Lightning got dominated. But in a lot of these other games, they're not making a lot of mistakes. But enough of the mistakes that they are making, maybe this is the point that you're 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 making. <laughs> enough of the mistakes they are making are serious enough that they are getting burned. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's how I should have phrased it. Is that you know, they're not playing poorly for sixty minutes. It's just when they're bad there there are really bad things that are happening during that yeah. stretch. And it's that's a, like they've let it get out of control to an extent. They didn't make many mistakes five on five last night. They had a couple. There were a couple of chances off the rush. The but that's going to happen, right? In a that game. is going to happen, mean, particularly gonna happen. you know when you've got the amount of skill that that you had last night on the other side. And and folks, please, people who keep saying they have yet to play a full sixty minutes, that doesn't <laughs> yeah, exist. <I> it's <laughs> it's along the same lines. What of annoys the, you more, that or, or the official not picking up the stick? The you know how I know I hit a chord is because now you're referencing that on radio, I and know. I know well, you're watching. I see that. It. Yeah, I see it. Like, what's, but what's isn't it a logical stick? question? Vasilev was it last hey. night? Vasilevsky played the puck behind the net, and the stick hey, Dave, was there. <laughs> Dave, pick up the damn stick. You know, I mean, you talk about player safety. My gosh, pick up the stick. And you cannot play a full 60 minutes perfectly. You just can't. It's not possible. The other team, they're paid professionals. They're going to push. They're going to make you uncomfortable. Maybe more times than you'd like against the Lightning this year, fine. But stop whoever believes in that talking about that. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Well, before the fans get completely up in arms about what happened last night, I'm going to I'm going to try and do a little counterbalance here. Go for it. This is not pie in the sky. I think this is based completely in reality. And just to let everyone take a deep breath, exhale a little bit. I'm going to accentuate some positives here, okay? Should I get my zen moment out here? <laughs> yes. Mm. Mm. 9 games, the Lightning have two regulation losses. That's very good. Now they started one and three, so their overall record is like they started below water. But six, two, and one of the last nine is very good. They haven't played necessarily at at their their optimum level during all nine of those games, but I think most teams would take that. I think the Belmar line has had its 
two best games in a row, the last two. Maroon actually talked about it when That's we a had good him point. on in the good intermission. Point. They after were noticeable. The Buffalo first period. Yeah. 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 And he said, we're finally playing the offense. So, and he said, 11 games, we've just been spending way too much time at our own end. And with the limited minutes that they get, especially when it's a high special teams game, Belmar will play penalty kill and, and Perry will play second power play, but Maroon mm-hmm. doesn't play either. So as a group five on five, you know, they make they're gonna get short shrift when it's a high special teams game. When they go out there, they need to make the most of it. And I, I do believe the last two games they don't really track possession and and that that trio doesn't necessarily have a ton of shot attempts always. Mm-hmm. They kind of cycle and make the other team work in the defensive zone, but that's fine. They've done a lot of that the last two games, and I think they had a slow start this year, but they are they are looking more like the quote-unquote school bus line, right? Which is the way they want to play is have the puck in the offensive zone and make the other team work hard. I think they've done that the last two games. And then the last thing and the last guy I'm going to mention is Nick Pervix. This guy is the real deal. Elevating, he is elevating every single game. Now, Phil pointed out he's a rookie, albeit a 24 year old rookie. He's still in the early days of his career. He may hit a rut, he may have a dip, but great slap pass to Kalorn on the goal. In the very next shift, he's in a one on one against Drysidle and he breaks up the play. He's been a revelation. I mean, he has been so good for the Lightning this year. So I at least wanted to mention those three things so we don't just keep piling on for the No, I agree. Hour. I agree. I mean, Perbix. Look, the, the individual stories this year, I think, it, it was definitely Stamkos early on. I think it's been the play of the first line in general. But Hagel's mm-hmm. been, if you want to really specify what's happening, I think he has been. Yep, and he had he, another goal. Yeah, I mean, Dave, he's been what Nick Paul was last year when he came over. I mean, he's doing something every game offensively. It's basically what Nick Paul did last year. That's why he opened up the eyes and we were like, wow, I didn't realize Nick Paul had that. For me, I, I, I told you I wasn't sold on Hagel from last year. I needed to see it. And, boy, he's been, he's been what the Lightning thought they were getting at the trade deadline. He's been very good. Yes. Herbix has been very good. The goaltending tandem of Vassy and Elliott, I think – might be the biggest storyline this year. You may say, well, we knew how good Vassy was. True. Uh, Elliot continues to elevate his play, but that tandem has allowed them to keep their head above water during all of the things that have been inconsistent in their game, which we have pointed out, specifically the special teams. Mm-hmm. You just gave the, the numbers about regulation losses. I mean, the Lightning are in a position right now which is respectable. It's not great. It's respectable because of their goaltending. And to me, I think along with Pervix, that has been the most positive storyline in this young season. And you can say Hagel's a close second if you want to, and that's fine. And there have been some other guys who've had moments, as we said before. The first line is really picking it up. Stamkos off to a tremendous start early in the season. But for me, partner, I thought, how I look at it so far. And I'm not yeah. panicking. I'm not. Uh, you know, we look at the standings because we have to and we get asked that question. I'm not sitting here losing sleep over where the Lightning are. I know they're changing some things up on their power play. I, I caught my attention. I'm not going to lie about that. But 
John Cooper, I think, is trying to look for a shakeup. He doesn't like where his team is and the mistakes that they are making at the wrong time. I think it, there's some bad puck luck involved because it's the mistakes that seem like are in the back of their net more times than not, particularly shorthanded, which is a little unusual. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm not panicking over the team. I think I didn't anticipate this type of inconsistent play, but maybe I should have with the amount of changes they were dealing with. Maybe I should have. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned. It's intriguing to see how the team is responding to all of this. So I, I want to get more of a reaction here from our, our audience. Anthony says, too much happening in those games. I won simple regular season games already. After watching this team for many years, you can feel the mood. I think first power play guys felt the pressure to score, especially against two top players in the NHL. Well, I don't know the the fact that McDavid and Drysaddle were on the other side affected how the Lightning performed what about their on business? the power play. Yeah. yeah, I think they tried to do as well as they always tried to do on the power play. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Greg, when you said their decision making in terms of where they are going with the puck when they're trying to break it up the ice, or frankly when they have the puck in the offensive zone sometimes too where they're going with the puck that needs to to sharpen and i expect they will and that's folks maybe that's wishful thinking on my part but i think that's also part of the process when you win as much as they have that they're going to figure it out and that leadership group is going to rectify the problem i'll tell you this right now if they continue to make these kind of blunders and they continue to be middle of the pack when it comes to the standings around the trade deadline uh, you're going to see some shakeup. That's my mm-hmm. that's my prediction. You're going to see some shakeup because that that's not the standard here. That's not the standard. You can only give a team a little bit of a pass for so long. You know, if this still is happening 35 games in, we've got a problem. Basil says the power play was so impatient that they never allowed themselves a chance to establish solid puck possession. I know Phil likes every shot, but it's a bad play on the power play when there's no realistic chance of scoring and it just gives the PK unit the chance to clear over and over is what Basil said. Well, sometimes if you shoot the puck, you can get the penalty kill unit scrambling, even if you don't score on that shot and you can do a shot retrieval and, and get the penalty kill team running around a little bit and actually tire them out. If you're not going to do that and you want to rely on kind of moving it around quickly to, to set up a more, high percentage shot, high percentage of going in, then that comes down to making sure that you are executing really well with how you're moving the puck around. I think they haven't they haven't zipped it around as well as they have in years past. Understanding that they've scored some big power play goals this year. Not disputing that. I said it at the start of the show. And they are in the middle of the pack in terms of percentage. Yeah. So there are some teams that would love to be where the Lightning are at in terms of their power play through 13 games but the way the lightning work their power play which is why phil sometimes gets annoyed is they will pass up a shot to try and make an extra pass to set up a higher percentage shot of going in which is fine if you can execute the passing what basil is referring to i think as well though is what you talked about and i just mentioned that you had talked about which is decision making coming up the ice he used the word impatient 
Maybe it is impatience. Whatever it is, they aren't moving the puck cleanly enough up the ice to gain entry to the offensive zone with possession and set it up. You know, that change on the power play unit, not necessarily with Sergachev taking over for Hedman, I think Hagel can help with that. He does not, bring it up in the second unit sometimes. Well, he does, but I, I'm, I'm even talking about, you know, if, if it's not there to bring it in crisply, you need somebody to go get the puck. Mm-hmm. You have two of the fastest players on the team in points and Hagel partner that can, with speed, go get the puck. Dig it out of the corners and set up. I think that's part of this with Hagel yeah. being on that unit. Decision making, fine. I mean, look, everybody agrees that needs to be better. And look, Sergachev, sometimes when he gets in trouble, his decision decision making is going to be a, an issue. And especially when he tries to force feed Kucherov. I mean, make no mistake, Sergachev's game, Dave, on that first power play unit can't veer off too much from what he did to get the promotion. In other words, if you're going to look to overpass the Stamkos and Kucherov, you're going to put your team in some tough situations again. Mm -hmm. He, in part, if you want to call it a promotion partner, got there because I think of his ability to shoot the puck and get it on net this year. Don't pass that up. That's I am going to be watching that because I think when Cooch is feeling it he's getting that puck in a sweet spot and he's delivering his one timer but it has to be there Sergachev, when he gets himself in trouble overpasses if he keeps it simple he's going to stay there and i think we're going to find out early on with those power play opportunities and and we'll know probably in the in the washington game what is Sergachev going to be like getting that opportunity is he going to be trying and force feed it to cooch mm-hmm. or stammer or is he going to be a guy, Dave, that when he gets the puck, he's looking to get it on net? Because I tell you what, when he does that, he's pretty effective. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And look, he's gotten, with the headman injury, opportunities to yeah. play in the top unit. Yeah, right, right. So, it's all good. I mean, he's had an audition, if you want to look at it that way. Look, it's all good from that standpoint. For Sergachev. Now you just have to take... You want to be an elite defenseman? Here's another step. Dominate on that power play. Because mm-hmm. now you got that opportunity. Baz also says, Bolts are not dominating, but if you look around the league, very few teams are. Lots of quality teams are struggling for points, and it seems that every night there are clear upsets. The cream will rise to the top over 82 games. I mean, I think that's an... A level-headed way of of looking. Yeah. It doesn't always happen that way. I mean, we look. People keep talking about Buffalo and Ottawa and these teams that might be knocking on the door. Uh, Washington and Pittsburgh are teams that traditionally have been at the top, and they're not. Do you think that cream will rise to the top this year? Don't know. Don't know. I mean, eventually, New Jersey and. Detroit and Buffalo have to figure it out with all these draft picks, right? Time will tell. I mean, I don't think Philadelphia is going to be where they are points percentage-wise later in the year compared to where they are now, but I I could be wrong. I I tend to agree with you, Basil. I I, I do, which is why I don't pay attention to the standings too much right now. For that reason. Well, that's why I talked about the playoff pace. So it's kind of 
saying the same thing as Basel. Are all of these teams that are currently in the mix going to maintain a 12-point and 10-game pace? And if they aren't, because it doesn't have to be 96 points after 80 games with a couple of extra games to pad that total, some teams make the playoffs with 90 points. But if you can get to 96, you pretty much know you're in. So how many of these teams are going to be able to maintain that? That's, I think, kind of what he's saying when he says the cream will rise to the top. If I can speak for you, Basil. Basil, I think if anybody can speak for you, it would be Dave Michigan. At Bolts Radio, he is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. Steve Erskine our producer. Did you ever see anything as scary as what you saw with Evander Kane in your, in your career yeah, that's been not, everywhere? Not when I've been in the building. I mean, I've seen guys be cut by skates watching on television. Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah, and I mean the Clint Malarchuk was was maybe the scariest thing I've ever seen. Was that seen. early 80s or late 80s? I think mid-80s. Yeah. I think An- Anderchuk was on that team. Toronto, right? For Buffalo. So, or Buffalo. For Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. gotcha. Okay. And that was in the neck. <sighs> that was not... I mean, Kane was in the wrist, which is, is pretty awful as well. I guess he posted something on Twitter, said he was still in shock a little bit, but that he's he's thankful for all the help he got. Yep. And, I mean, the amount of blood that was on the ice in a short amount of time was shocking. Oh. Well, those those skates are sharp. Yeah. If, if you don't if you don't believe it, just look what happened yep. there. You know, so uh, that was one of those moments, and that, I, I think that's what made the Edmonton win a little bit more impressive because that I don't know about you, but sometimes when those things happen, maybe more than sometimes, like all of the time, does anybody really want to play when you see somebody who's in distress like that? I mean, it just I, I guess that's being the ultimate professional, and this is why those guys have gotten to where they are they're mm-hmm. they're elite physically dave but they're also elite mentally to be able to put that behind you and and go out and play the way that the the oilers did was impressive to get that win in regulation against the lightning but i i don't know i mean that's that's one of those things where it's just yeah okay it's part of the game anything can happen but you still don't anticipate it do you i don't no. think you do no you, i, I mean it happens extremely infrequently right for sure so but they were ready for it. I mean, they they, they got that stretcher out there immediately, and they I mean, did. then they they realized that either it wasn't needed or they were gonna. I mean, I don't know. Did they wheel it around to the locker room, going around the bowl? Maybe that's possible. But yeah, they must have. I I think that the medical personnel, like if you're gonna work a hockey game, you have to be ready for that, and they're probably trained for that scenario. Yes, and they did a good job of. Yes, they did. Attending to that situation as quickly as possible. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Doug says, guys, what do you think is making Perbix so successful? Skating and poise. He's a smart guy. Yeah. So he's acclimating quickly. When you can skate like he can skate, and you have the kind of poise that he shows with the puck, the areas where you're going to have a bigger learning curve will be like positional play, reading the play, right? pace of play. And he seems to be a quick study in that regard. I mean, he hasn't been perfect. Let's, let's state that right up front. But I think what we're seeing is that he's not really making many positional mistakes. When he gets the puck, 
it's getting out of the zone in the defensive end, or it's at least being moved to a teammate who gets it out of the zone. He doesn't lose the puck very often. He doesn't, and that's a credit to him. And, you know, part of something maybe we have to take a look at because I think it's what made Ryan McDonough pretty elite in addition to all the great qualities he has. And I think Victor Hedman, too. You know, do we have to give mm-hmm. credit to Sergachev and Perbix's ability to be where he is right now? Well, yeah. I mean, does that help? Does that yes, help? Yes, I think I think it does. But also, like chemistry is hard to define. And they put Sergachev and Perbix together, and they fit just yeah, like McDonough do. and Chernak fit. Yeah. When they put those two guys together, and I'm You're not right. sure that's one guy or the other, but it just the two of them work together. Yeah, and I, I, you're right. And for it to work, I think it's a credit maybe to Sergachev's growth as a defenseman. Because, you know, we still look at him, and I do, as a young defenseman. And age-wise, he is. Games-wise, he's probably getting to that point where he's a young veteran. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think, you know, one of the ways everybody says Jan Ruta allowed Victor Hedman to do what he did. But I, I think also Hedy allowed Jan Ruta to be in a position where he played in the top six. I think McDonough allowed Chernak to have steadier footing coming into the NHL than, let's say, if Chernak was playing with somebody else. And I think it it doesn't get recognized enough. Great players are able to make good good players seem better. Mm -hmm. And I think in Sergachev's case... I, I at least want to give him a little bit of credit because I think part of Perbix's development has been playing with a defenseman like him. And maybe this is all kind of coming together for Sergachev at the right time where it's an opportunity for him to see an elevated role. Yeah. So good on him. But I would also say, too, how important skating is in today's game. Yes. Because you mentioned Perbix, and that's so true. And I kind of look at a guy like Cal Foot. And I think Cal Foot has a lot of really good qualities. But people ask, you know, what is keeping Cal Foot from being a regular? Some of it's opportunity, some of it's just the team he's playing on. There's a lot of depth. It's hard for him to, to crack the lineup. I think when you can skate, you give yourself a chance. Doesn't always mean it's going to happen for you. I mean, look, Slater Cuckoo's probably a prime example, isn't he? I mean, guy could skate. Mm-hmm. You got to do something with the puck. Yes, but I I think if you have the skating first, it allows you the opportunity, partner, to be successful. Particularly on the back end, and I think Perfect has shown that. And I think that's a good point by you. Now he has to keep doing it, no doubt. And and we'll continue to to kind of monitor his progress there. We should mention this before we close, and I think that we can let the fans know that as it stands right now, it looks like I will not be available for the show tomorrow. The Lightning will be traveling around the time that the show airs. So this is my two cents on Washington before we get to the actual game day. And by the way, everyone take the precautions that you need to take depending on where you are with the storm coming in. Yeah. I know that I will, and I know that you will as well, Greg. The Capitals are decimated with injuries. Now, 
without having done a deep dive, I don't know if any of their injured guys are, are close to a return. But I know when they played Edmonton, and they played Pittsburgh tonight, do they not? Yes, Pittsburgh does play. I didn't yes. see who they played, though. Tonight. Yeah, the, the, the Penguins and Caps play tonight. So gotcha. the Caps have a game before they see the lighting on Friday. But no Backstrom, no Oshie, no John Carlson, no Orlov, no Tom Wilson. Just for starters, I think there may be one or two other injured guys. I mean, just think about their number one power play. Mm-hmm. You're pulling Carlson, Oshie, and Backstrom off that number one power play. Yeah. So the Lightning are going to be seeing a wounded team, literally. They play them three times this year, and two of them are coming up this week, Friday and Sunday. So it's not quite like the Edmonton situation where they have a, a circumstantial advantage as far as the schedule, but the Lightning are far more healthy than Washington right now, understanding that they don't have Sorelli and Bogosian. And I'm sorry, I'm going to say it right now. like you got to take advantage of this. You're seeing the Caps without, and again, if Carlson comes back Friday, I'm, I'm a little unsure like what his injury status is. Orlov, too, who... Is a terrific defenseman for them. That's their top two D. Like their top two D are both out right now. And I think if you're the Lightning, you have to cash in when you when you see a team that that is as shorthanded, quote unquote, like they can field a full lineup, but many of the regulars are out. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I do. I it's a fair point. Now what time are you leaving here? Right? Because you're gonna be yeah, I think it's right now they're saying a 12.30 flight. Okay. So, we'll miss you tomorrow. Yeah, but I'll be back on You'll be back. on Friday from D.C. That'll be good. You'll give us kind of a, a feel of yeah, what's going the caps on. Do not, the Caps do not skate. at the, They have a practice facility in Arlington, so it would just be the Lightning skate. But yes. we, can get, we can get the load on the Lightning skate. And based on how they ran practice today you know we'll see if foot is is basically primed to come back in yep for tampa bay partner this was fun i appreciate you thank yeah, you yeah i appreciate safe you. travels safe travels thank you and we will talk to you on friday but we will keep power lunch going tomorrow noon to one thanks to steve Erskine as well thanks to you for listening we always appreciate it hit us up on twitter at bolts radio you've been listening to power lunch on lightning radio